Hello, and welcome to The Wind Thieved Hat, a series of podcasts where I explore the creative process, the highs, the lows, the joy and the pain with some of my favourite artists and makers. In this episode, I join a photographer whose work I remember being profoundly moved by the very first time I saw it. She came to photography late, in her 40s. In the short years since then, she's won a number of awards, created two beautiful books and had her images shown at the Photographer's Gallery and the National Portrait Gallery. She describes her work as an investigation of the psychological landscapes of both herself and those around her. She is Sean Davy. And before we begin, I should point out that our conversation took place in her garden in Devon. So while you'll enjoy the gentle bird song in the background, I hope you'll also forgive the occasional blast of wind, none of which lasts more than just a few seconds. Right then, make yourself comfortable. Off we go. Hello, Sean. Hello. Welcome to the Wind Thieved Hat. Hello. It's very nice to be here in your garden on this beautiful day. Pleasure to have you. We have the, we may have the occasional sound of the decorators yeah. in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I <laughs> alluded. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. You seem to be quiet at the moment. Um, I alluded there in the introduction to the fact that you came relatively late to photography and you spent a lot of time working as a psychotherapist. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yes, I came, um, in, in a way, never, I never really identified myself as a psychotherapist because I never felt like it really belonged to me. It felt like it was part of my kind of evolution, my process into becoming. And so it was, it was relevant at that time. And I, I, of course, I valued the work. And but it felt like it was taking me to here. Not that I knew that then. Yeah. But clearly, those skills, that understanding of those psychological territories and myself, has enabled me to be uh, not to be a photographer, but to kind of communicate in this way. And to make the kind of work that you do. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. I think we have a tendency sometimes, don't we, to see sort of episodes in our lives as kind of discrete chapters, but in fact, as you say, it's often... Uh, no, it's, it was seamless. Everything was, is, as, as it is meant to be. And it's funny, you know, one of the things that I'm fascinated by with photography is that it is ostensibly like the most exterior of mediums. You know, the photographer records a light bouncing off mm. the outside um, of a subject, but you're work seems to be much more um, about exploring a kind of interior yeah, world. Yeah, I think so. I think I haven't really, I, because, I mean, it's not a particularly new profession, but because it's come later on in life, it has that kind of slightly, well, how, do I, how, how did I get here? And But I haven't really unpacked the process yet about what that's about what I'm up to and how, how did how, how did you come to picking up a camera and and starting to to take work to make pictures a bit more seriously than than most other people do 
I just had an urge to take pictures and I was always very anxious about and I still am around te technology but I remember I wanted to take pictures and I, I asked a few friends they form a photo club with me this is in my this is in my mid-40s you know <laughs> because I was just so nervous about how to actually I, I couldn't operate the camera so I thought if I've got people around me not that I was conscious of it then I could take pictures and then I just joined the Saturday club at the Brighton University and everyone had this camera same camera so I just thought well I'll buy that one <laughs> and I just put it on automatic okay and then I got it yeah and I just saw pictures coming out of my camera that that just really excited me great and then I also um, coupled in with that and I do reference this because because it was significant I went to see um, the Louise Bourgeois retrospective at the Tate a couple of years before then. And I liked to see, um, it felt like a transmission. A transmission? Yeah, that I was being shown something um, from her, from her energy or even just the vibration of the work. I don't know what form it was. But there was no doubt something happened to me because I left that exhibition and I just really wept. And that's not my usual response. In fact, mm. I very rarely cry. And, and I said to my partner at the time, you know, that I want to do something else. I want to be creative. And I, had, I wanted to um, process some of my sadness in a way that, you know, Louise Bourgeois did that in a very... Um, unselfconscious way you know there was a compulsion there was a need wasn't there and she just it was just everywhere in all these different forms whether it was kind of sewing or sculpture or all these different mediums it was just this need to kind of get go from in to out and that's what happened and I needed to do that not through psychotherapy but I needed to do that in another in another form I see it was just like a, a compulsion. Oh my God, yeah, but it was a transmission. I know it was a transmission. And I think we, but there's always transmissions going on all the way around. Yeah. It's like, you know, someone could go to a, to a, you know, to someone's garden and just receive that garden and just say, that's it for me. I just want to be, a, I need to be a gardener. That's the transmission. Yeah. Anyway, so I think they go on all the time, but we yeah. just have to be awake and present to know that's what they are. And, uh, and sensitive. Yeah, sensitive to when they happen. And, and maybe maybe brave enough to act on them as well. Well, I've always been like that anyway. If, they, if I've wanted to do anything, I've just done it. Yeah. So every 10 years, it just feels like I, something else happens. Yes, yeah. I, I, I've, I've done a sort of bit of research on you. I hope that doesn't yeah, sound no. too creepy. No. Um, uh, and it, I, you studied fine art, didn't you, originally? Well, yeah, that was my first degree in fine art. Yeah, so I, I wonder, you know, maybe when you felt that, that, that sort of transmission, that desire to, to sort of create and express yourself, how come painting wasn't the medium in which you did it? Why, why, why photography, do you think? I don't know. No idea at all. Just completely, I'm mystified. Why? At what? What point? What juncture? Went. That's the camera. That's the, that's what I need to use yeah. in order to enable that. 
I know I wasn't a great painter because it was just too slow for me. Yes. And so there was something, you know, I underst- I can understand why photography. Yeah. Um, I, yes, because it's immediate. And I can work as quickly as I feel. Yes. Yeah. And one of the things, um, we'll talk a little more about some specific projects in a bit, but um, yeah. one of the things I notice about your work is that there, there really feels like there's a dynamic between you and the person that you're photographing. Yeah. I sort of feel you in the pictures and it seems if one were to uh, be as reductive as, as, as talk about themes, your, your work is very much about relationships and your relationships with some of the people that you photograph. Yeah. Would you say that was true? Always, yeah. So well, I got that right. You definitely got that right. <laughs> Actually, someone just filmed me last week and they showed me a clip of the film and I didn't realise I'm constantly talking to the person I'm with. In when you're photographing them, or yeah, just when generally? I'm photographing. All oh, right, okay, yeah, yes. And and that's partly, I suppose, you know, enabling something, helping to support them, because obviously it's a struggle for most of us to be witnessed, and you know, to have that focus on us. So I'm, I'm, I must be attempting to bring that person to some kind of ease and to kind of calibrate that kind of tension until you're enabling that person to, to show themselves. Yes. And yes. Ex- expose themselves in front of me. Yes. In front of me and other people. And I suppose that there are parallels there with, with, with talking therapy and, yeah, and what you've done before. How, how do you feel about photographing people that you don't know? Because your, your two books so far about your, your daughters and is it, is it do you find it more of a challenge or is it a different way of working or but or it's it, always a more it's always more of a challenge with um, I mean with Martha and her friends I'm you know I'm I'm building relationships up so all of them I, I, I didn't know any of them to begin with and so I'm having to navigate through new relationships. I don't generally... Mind you, I'm doing that shoot, aren't I, for the Science Museum, so mm. I think... You did the families one as well. And the, yeah, of course, the families one as well. And you just photograph what the What happens is, yeah, I photograph the decorator. So I think what I do is I put... Once I'm in the zone quite quickly, once I want something enough or I'm interested, mm. then... I saw that just now because the decorator was was more keen on finishing his window sills. Yes, resistant. It's like, come on! <laughs> I actually just said to him, "Can I?" Because I know he's doing. All, they're all doing all the houses up here. So I just said, "Which houses are you doing? Can I follow you around for the next two weeks? I can just make my little." I like these kind of extended portraits of someone's almost people that you know drop into my life. Yes. For some, like he's dropped into my life. Yes. And I'm interested in what that's about. I, I photographed the decorator at my in-law's house. When yeah. we were living there. He's a very sort of wistful bloke and he used to go for these tea breaks and, and just stare out across the valley. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And these, you know, you know, he, he was there yesterday and he said to me, I said, how are you? You've got big, he turned up with a spot on his face and he went, oh, don't look at me. I said, what's that about? Are you not eating them? And he said, no, I'm not. 
My wife just left me. And I'm now living with my parents. And, uh, and this, you know, it didn't tell me a lot. It just told me that. And I went, oh, it's United. So, anyway, so I baked him a cake yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> actually, he didn't even eat because my kids ate it all. Anyway. Right. Maybe he's a bit miffed today. That's why he was Probably, really yeah, pissed off. You have to bake cake. him another cake. I'll have to, yeah. Um, he starts playing Radio 2, then I might okay. make yeah. him another cake. Yes, yes. Um... So let's talk, if we may, about uh, some of your particular projects. Yes. I'm sure you've spoken about them a reasonable amount. Yeah. Can you, can you muster the, the enthusiasm? Can. It will be enthusiastic Okay, for you, you. you can dismiss me if uh, I ask you yeah. um, uh, a, a dull question. So um, the first work I saw by you was uh, uh, an image of Alice, your yeah. daughter. Yes. Um, and Alice had, was born with Down syndrome. Um, and you said that the process of photographing this work helped me shine a light on why I struggled to love her, which was essentially fear and uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought your um, honesty there was... Um, it's the only thing that ever makes me cry when I talk about Alice. It's the only thing... That ever makes me cry. The struggle. Every to public begin talk with. I, I do, I could just sob. Because. Because of all that. And. Um, you know, I love her in a really slightly overwhelming way now. She's such a handful. <laughs> and she's. She's so perfect. Yes. She's so so fucking perfect you know lovely she's a lovely lovely child you know yes yes and as i said to you earlier on it's like now she's like so interesting in her demand she demands so strongly from life she meets life so strongly that you know i can't she's seven and i can't take her into school she just walks into school by herself and right now she won't go into school unless angie the receptionist comes out which is goes down to the car park to fight to get her that's the way she wants it now okay that's where you need it Great. let's all go with that yes so interesting so she has these extraordinary demands which yes. is like well let's let's try that out yeah and so the the process of of, of making that work of, of photographing it was, yeah. was in part a sort of process for you of of, of making sense of your relationship a little bit yeah not necessarily consciously no retrospectively no yeah many most things are retrospective but i had very clear references or um that i wanted to integrate into the work narratives stories i'm essentially a storyteller so there were things like you know you know the politics of these children how, uh, what happened in the 60s, 70s, earlier, of course, but it kind of slowed down then. The institution, uh, um, sorry, I'm referring to the institu- institutionalization of these children. Yeah. And, uh, and what's happening now through, through the screening process, that we're not having a better conversation parents aren't given the, a better conversation about 
whether they can keep them. And, you know, my story with her and my overwhelming belief that we need children like Alice in the world. They are extraordinary teachers. We, we are in crisis globally. We are in crisis. We are disconnected. We are struggling to have intimate relationships and love in our lives in a meaningful way. It's, it's, it's acute. I don't think it's even chronic, it's acute. So I'm all out in the world saying, we, you know, my cards are on the table, we need Alice. We need these children. One of the things that struck me about the work he did with Alice, and the very first image I saw, which is the one of Alice on the cushions with the wisp of hair across oh, her, yeah. her cheek, is that there is a real sort of thoughtfulness and kind of knowingness. Yeah. She looks out of those pictures at you, yeah. sort of directly, with a kind of wisdom. You know, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, and um, uh, there are other images in that series where you can see her just sort of being a kid and, and getting upset and being yeah. curious and playing with the chicken. But but there are, there are a lot of images where she has this sort of magnetism. She does, absolutely. And a lot of these children do because they just don't have this disconnect between mind and body. They're really, their minds are really in their body. So she's very present. I mean, that's what you're getting from that picture, from yes. the quality of contact with her. It's absolute presence. I am here right now with you. Yes. So, for example, when she's at school and she's saying, I'm not going to go in because I want Angie to come and get me, it's because she's just present with how she feels. She's saying, this is what I need now. Of course, she's got additional needs, so we all t toe the line with it. But what, what, what would happen if we could just adapt a bit more for our children and allow our children not to be like us? Because that's where we all fuck up, are our own narcissistic drives, that we, want, we don't understand their difference. So their difference gets personalised as wrong. And so Alice, because she's got additional needs, she can get away with that. She can really show me, actually, I am different than you. And and I'm okay with, you know, and so I'm okay with that. I'm mean, really enjoying that challenge, going, okay, I'm going to let you be really different. Yes, yeah, great. And that quality of being present is, um, is relevant to this conversation, I think, uh, in two respects. One is that I think um, to be um, effective creatively, yeah. you have to be in, in, in the moment. Um, and I think what, this is one of the nice things about making creative work is it it, 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 it absorbs you absolutely in the yeah in in that present moment yes and photography is interesting because an image is captured literally and physically at a, a fraction of a second yeah you know a hundredth of a second or, yeah. or, or whatever and yet a really successful image has this sort of timeless resonance that goes way beyond that particular yeah. moment it does which is a fascinating thing yeah there's so much to be understood isn't there because uh, um, uh, so one of the photographers um, I've met before is Joel Meyerowitz mm -hmm. the American photographer and he has this the, this nice phrase he does a lot of street photography as, mm. as maybe you know um, which I'm hopeless at uh, uh, but he he says photography 
encourages him to be exquisitely present mm. is his phrase and mm. I, I've always really liked that exquisitely present mm. absolutely there mm. um, in the moment and I'm, I th- I'm, I'm never that sure about that no? no I mean I think there's a there's an extraordinary you have the, I'm, I'm interested in, in the territory of presence anyway because of my faith and my practice is Tibetan Buddhism, so I'm and, and so I've been around that for a long time. So I understand the value and the, 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 the importance of it. But sometimes I don't know if I'm necessarily present when I'm working. Mm-hmm. I'm in many different places when I'm working. Right. I think that's an ambition to be absolutely present but I think I'm in my history perhaps that's presence as well I don't know I think I'm kind of transcending something as well right I'm not sure if I'm present I remember particularly when I was when if I if I was all I'm all I'm interested in what happens in that frame what what is the world showing me in that frame in that moment in that space that I'm in mm. very intense mm. very intense and I remember spending days down at the river a few years ago on my river series and taking my partner at the time and the kids and I don't think I was present with anybody he even said to me at one point can we uh, fancy come out on the canoe for a moment I'm like, oh, right. reluctantly I'd better right. be the good partner right in the canoe and then I looked back at the bank and I could see all these people on the bank and the light was perfect and I just said look I'm sorry I've just got to get out so then I got out again and I was just inhabiting this other world again which I felt it was sublime so I don't know if that's presence is it doesn't doesn't it doesn't feel like it no but I was very acutely aware of what was going on in terms of maybe that's the thing that's the thing maybe that's the thing yeah maybe that's the thing I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? What is present in this context? So, so I, I do, I've been working quite a lot in London. I live in the countryside in Wales. And I go to London and I've been doing some workshops and I'm sort of there in front mm. of a group of people all day and I find it quite demanding and intense. And one thing I like to do is wander along the canal with my camera. Yeah. And the reason I think I find that so pleasant is that I take myself from the sort of chaos that's going inside my head to being in this sort of outside space as I kind of hunt around and, and look around and it, it's a sort of um, it puts me outside of myself yeah I think. I think it does a bit and I think you know cameras I don't know I just think there is a quality about them it's like this kind of transitional object that you know that you get kind of, I feel a bit buffered from the world it's just me and my camera in this kind of other world that you I enter. It's all quite nice, really. You know, the moment that, you know, you're thinking about, you know, I want to take pictures of you. You know, when I was doing that, the um, National Portrait Gallery show last year, and I'd go yeah. to this family, and you're dealing with a whole load of dynamics in the family, and you're not, gonna sure, you're not sure the light's going to work, and but when you get into it, then you're off. Yes. And that's what I mean, I don't think... I don't know what it is that, where it's off to. Yes. Anyway, thank you, Joel, for that 
it's discuss. Yeah. Yeah, discuss. Um, and um, uh, what was I? Uh, we were talking about Alice. So how, how was? Um, how do you think Alice found the process of making that book? Well, I think, and I have no doubt because of Alice's brilliance, her emotional intellect is beyond yours and mine. I think my sense was that it was always a. Uh, why, why, why have I lost the word when you're a, a col- collaboration? Collaboration. I about to say collision, but that's probably it as well, isn't it? <laughs> collaboration. And I have no doubt that there was a story that needed to be told. Because what's happened to these children is so, so traumatic. I cannot believe that we're not talking about this more. I can't believe that you can't find any anything about this. Um, it was a story that needs to be told. So the emphasis, the, the presumption is that on, on discovering that there's a high likelihood of, of your child having Downs, the presumption is that you would want to terminate That you'd want to get rid of this baby. This baby's unwanted. There's no, there's no place in the world for this baby. But I've just got back from Iceland doing an assignment out there and I said, I know in Iceland they've got 100%. So I said to this family in the remote place of Iceland, I said, oh, actually, you've just... It's 100% now. They said, no, no, there's one born a year. It's like, we're not quite there yet. And I just thought, how is that to be that one child? How, how is that to be that one child? Why would that child want to come back? I have no idea. Can I pick up on one thing you said as well earlier, mm. which is that um, as we are all painfully aware, we live in a, a world that is increasingly demarcated between various groups and, yeah. and, 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 and there are divisions and barriers. And, and you alluded to the fact that people like Alice could help counterbalance that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. She has a. She has. I mean, she's very healing to be around, and these children are, because you know when we look at each other, we may fear that, which is applies to all of us. That, particularly on a bad day, that we just see the worst. That we fear that you're going to see the worst in me. That's not, that's not how it is. But we, if we were to ask for feedback on ourselves, we'd be surprised what we hear. That's what we carry. That's the weight that we carry in the world, isn't it? This really poor perception of ourselves that gets projected out there. See, an Alice doesn't do that. So she cuts through all that and just kind of just it responds to your inherent health. The, the part that you came that was intact that was really well and resourced and happy so we need Alice a lot to learn absolutely yeah she just cuts through that projection I think before we talk about uh, Martha there's one image too when I was looking back through the work in anticipation coming down here which is the photograph of Alice with an older guy he's got his arms raised up oh yeah outside the sort of yeah, sitting with a stranger. And, and the, one of the interesting things about that, that picture is that uh, 
it feels like a monochromatic image. It feels black and white. Yeah. And yet around Alice and the bloke, there is a sort of little kind of um, uh, bubble of colour. Yeah. Almost. Was that, was that just how it was? Or just how it was. There's, there's no post in that? No. Yeah. Everything's just how it was. Yeah. So when we entered that, it's, it's just... Basically, I live on the old Dartington Hall campus. So it used to be an art college here. So there's an outdoor swimming pool just along here. So... So we entered there, there was, and there was a man, and it was a summer school, they had classical music on all summer, so he was one of the musicians, and kind of elderly guy. And he was sitting there, and it's kind of not the kind of person that I would have approached or even smiled at, actually, particularly. And then I was on the phone, and I told him, oh, Christ, where's Alice? And there she was with this man, and she, he was absolutely rejoicing in her company. And I told, turned around and I had my camera with me and his arms were up and she was just sitting there and she brought him to life. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny and, and that sort of, that little edge of colour around them sort of really um, yeah. enhances their sense of that moment, you know, that there is this sort of blast of... That, there, that, there, that moment that she had with him, she um, animates people. She just enables people to see just how good they are. Yeah. I mean, that's an extraordinary quality, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. I mean, she wakes up every single morning and then she walks around to my side of the bed and she just says, I love you, Mummy. And, it, and, she's, and she means it. She's not manipulating or any, anything. And then she just jumps on me and I always call her lion cub <laughs> because she's, seven and developmentally she's like two or three so she's the size of a lion cub and then she just right. jumps on me and licks my face right. from one end to the other and yeah. I just say morning lion cub very cute <laughs> yeah it's lovely thank you for uh, um, uh, giving us a bit more on, on Alice um, it would be, be nice to meet her at some point uh, yeah she sounds uh, like a, a wonderful human being so uh, You've also uh, made a project about your stepdaughter, Martha. Yeah. Because it, it began when she said, how can we don't Yeah, well, that was the invitation. That was the kind of permission, isn't it? So, wasn't it? So... Did she wish she'd never said that? <laughs> no, she didn't, actually. She was incredibly <laughs> obliging and interested in the process. And not in the images, actually, more in the process. I think she pulled out a few for Facebook, but this isn't how she perceives herself. This is my view of something. They won't. T they don't take these pictures of themselves like that, do they? No. no. So she doesn't recognise or identify herself in these images. Not really. That's interesting. Yeah, no, she doesn't. And, she, and what in the sense that she feels like she, you've, you've, you've not captured her or I've not captured her no I haven't captured her these are my moments of her so the moment that I press that shutter probably tells me more about something about my internal process than it does about her. Mm.
that moment mm. or my edit does and sometimes it can do tell me about her but that takes a long time to work out mm. that stuff doesn't come into form that quickly so it may take me years to kind of get beneath the project to see what I was up to yeah. it's very early on yes to understand that and I think to most people when they look at a series of photographs mm. their thoughts and orientation is, is very much about the person who has been photographed yeah. rather than the photographer yeah. and yet clearly from there Right, you talk about your work, it's, it's as much, if not more, <laughs> about you. Well, yeah, I mean, with Alice, part of my upset, an aspect of it, is I've, I walked through my family. I felt like I didn't belong, I was an outsider, to the degree that actually when I left, I just left. I had very little contact. I, I haven't seen my brother and sister probably twice, three times. In years, I just walked through my family and just left them because of there are many reasons for that, and I spent a lifetime trying to understand and re- and make and resolve that upset. So that's an aspect of I can see in Alice this kind of quali- this kind of her being the outsider and her losing her community because we are screening them out and I can see myself in that mm. Do you think photography is, um, is kind of working as a, as a way of making sense of those feelings Always. about relationships? You just have to know what we're up to a bit mm. You know, it's interesting when I occasionally I go in to the odd day at universities with students and I kind of get them to kind of actually, what's the connection here? What's bringing you to this? place. Let's drop the jargon of place identity and memory and all that kind of stuff and go, let's get beneath that. Let's kind of connect with it uh, with how we're feeling. Mm. And it's extraordinary the links that people make with their kind of past, their kind of DNA, their family and all sorts. Mm. And they're just going, oh yeah, that's why I'm here. Mm. This is what I'm trying to understand. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. But sometimes it makes it a bit more interesting to understand what the uh, what the calling is. Yes. And it, I think another remarkable thing about uh, you is that you have made quite a lot of work, good work, in a short amount of time. Thank you. That's all right. <laughs> uh, it's true. And I wonder, um, you know, if perhaps having had this sort of um, lifetime of feelings and experiences to do with relationships now you find a, a medium in which you can explore those maybe maybe that's the, the, there is a sort of energy and a, an impetus there that's, yeah. that's enabling you to, to, to turn this stuff around quite quick because you, 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 it's only relatively it's only really the last few years isn't it that you've, yeah you've five years five years six years yeah and I think um I started, when I began to take pictures, I got this idea in my head that I didn't know what to photograph. 
and then I was came up with these ideas and I was funding these ideas which is taking me all you know I had a baby as well Alice oh there's a wren over there look that's I love looking wrens oh, yeah. and so I was running all over the country with a new baby spending all our money on petrol and film and it was just you know I just wasn't resourced enough to be thinking of doing what I was doing and then my I worked with I went and straight into an MA actually because I just wanted to be around you know in a critical environment and my tutor at the time said don't do that this is David Chandler who wrote in my first book and he said just work do what you just work intuitively which basically means just be present so I stopped using my thinking mind and just photographed my world. So that's when I did the River Project. I just gorgeous summer four years ago, five years ago. And I just took my camera with me and began to photograph. And then once I began to kind of be more present, then I could I was able to see what I need where I needed to go and navigate towards what was important. And in my case, my children became a a vehicle for that. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about mm. editing. Yeah. You mentioned being present and working intuitively there mm. uh, when, when you're taking the photographs, making the pictures. Is editing as intuitive or is that a more rational process, do you think? A more sort of evaluative well, I one? think it's all of it, isn't it? I mean, you want good pictures, so some pictures just work. And... And also they're meant to work. Mm. Mm. You know, something was invested in that moment that mm. is beyond my control. So, so it wasn't just because it's a good picture, something else happens mm. in that moment that you press that shutter. But that tells you what you need to understand. Mm. That, that bit comes later. But, you know, there's just an energy about that moment. Yes. So then you just, you're going to use that. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, there are really clear examples of when things are just flowing. I want to take a picture of Alice. Um, her sister had this when she was 16, you know, the end of term ball. And I knew I wanted to photograph Alice there while the girls were all getting ready, which is what I did. Because I knew that my fear as a mother that she would never be invited. So I wanted to kind of make that point in the series. And then the next day, because I always have my camera with me, Alice is walking up the path in the drive here, and she's wearing this pink tutu, which she never wears, and I took this picture. And she's on her own, dressed up for a party. And that picture, they're sequenced together before the ball and not invited. It's just a very powerful meeting. And so there's all sorts of things that go on unconsciously in this work that's, that I invited him with an intention, please show me what I need to see while making this work. I, yeah. always, I always invite spirit into my work. Do you? Always. Explicitly? Absolutely. Sometimes I just kind of pray as I'm working. Just, can you just show me? 
you know, show me the narrative, show me what I need to see. Yeah. And that may be because that connects with other people around you. Everyone feels into that intention. It's very powerful. And and I'm not religious, I'm very spiritual. I always say I'm not religious, it doesn't matter. I have a very strong faith. I, I believe that we are all in, interconnected very powerfully. So yes, of course, I'm going to pray and I will ask for the... But I'll put it out there as I'm working. And in fact, one of my strongest pictures, I can remember so clearly as I was walking down the river, I was just saying, please, you know, one of those, sometimes it's just like a kind of very loose... Can you show me? But this one, I remember just kind of going, please just show me what I need to see. And it was extraordinary what happened that evening in the shoot. I couldn't even believe what came back because the light wasn't even really available but the pigment in the collar was so intense and how everyone behaved themselves and I made this kind of tableau how that happened was uh, extraordinary and it and it was other helping me I have no doubt what was the uh, what was the image it was the one of them gathered around the river last night, oh, the, yeah. the teenagers. Yes. When, when, when they're, they're Martha's there, but with her friends. Yeah. And, and but see, by then also, it's interesting, by then, you know, the only, the only um, involvement I have, because I, I never want to put myself in the work. So the work is to kind of, is, is, uh, is, to, is to be out of, of, of the shot much as I can in terms of organising it. But over those three years, they learned that if I just whispered one, two, three, not to, not to blink. So they'd be doing their own thing and then I'd just kind of sitting there yeah. quietly or somewhere and I'd just go, one, two, three. And so I wouldn't disrupt the moment, the moment or the energy of the scene. So, yeah. There is, um, I, I can see her now in my mind's eye there, there is one girl I think she's facing to the right who looks quite sort of angry is overstating it but she's 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 looking at you quite quizzically like, which which is that um it, one of the one of the after the swim oh yeah I know chilly uh, blonde hair it's, she's got quite dark um oh I don't think it is chilly oh she's the one really face up um oh. yeah I know um, There's three after the swim. Yeah, because yeah. what's nice about those 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 pictures too is is that you get diff you can see different reactions to your yeah. presence. I think. But they, I think particularly there's something very performative in that mm. in that sequence, isn't there? Yes. Unlike the rest of the work. Yes. The girls yeah. are semi naked, climb out the window. They uh, out, out the window. Sorry, out the um, at, river. At the river, and. It's late spring, it's cold, and so they're all very acutely aware of what's happening. Yes, and they're all covering their, their, yeah. their breath. So they're, presumably they were swimming topless, yeah. but now the camera's out. That's there. it, and I remember just saying, cover up. I knew I, I didn't, that wasn't what the shot was about. Mm. Um, I wasn't even really particularly conscious of what the shot was about. It was just an extraordinary scene. But, um, yeah, I think it's all... Mm. Show me your questions. I've got the questions. Um, <laughs> what one question I had, which yeah. is, is appears quite trivial, 
uh, was was that there's the Torquay 5am shop. Yeah. I thought, did she stay up all night with them or did she just get up really early? I I just, they called me. Did My they? phones are next to the bed. Really? That's some commitment, Sean. Yeah, it was. Leaping out of bed at four in the morning to get I did a talking. I definitely did quite a few of those. Some drunk teenagers. But the thing is, otherwise, I mean, it's, yes, of course, it's an adult view because an adult's taking the pictures. But it's really an adult view if it's all taken in the light because they inhabit the dark and then you slowly come back into the light, don't they, when they have to go and start work. Mm. Definitely at this time, it's mm. like they're asleep in the day. So I, they'd call me and I would. It's freezing actually. It's really fucking freezing those nighttime shots. So I just throw my coat on, make myself a flask of tea, drive about half an hour, forty minutes, sometimes an hour. And then just somehow like a sheepdog herding pest teenagers. Do, do they want a lift home? Is that what's going on? No, well, the funny thing was, <laughs> you would think that would be on the agenda. In fact, I couldn't get them in the car. Right. They'd all be sitting on the curb, pissed, lying around. Yeah. You know what they do. Yes. Lying around, peeing in the road over there. I mean, really. So I would just say, look, girls, I've now been here half an hour, an hour. I want to go home. Oh, yeah, it's all right, don't worry, we'll leave us to it. They sort it out. Yeah. By entering my car, it's a bit sobering, isn't it? Entering my car, it's a bit boring. To what, your car? Entering my, entering my car suddenly, oh. suddenly becomes a bit sobering. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Carry on with the fun, I see. Yeah, talkie, 5am. Yeah. Something I've never seen for myself. Um, I suspect <laughs> I, I never to. will. Um, so, at the risk of sounding like an art student, with this next question. Um, I wanted to talk about the universal and the particular. Mm. So photography, perhaps more than any other medium, mm. is adept at describing particulars yeah. of people yeah. and detail. Yeah. And yet, I think one of the things about your work is that uh, if you are a father or a mother or a brother or a sister <laughs> if you've had relationships mm. then you can relate to it there is a sort of universal yes. quality yes. to it yeah it's funny i noticed on your website that the uh, url for the martha pages right the tag on the end of that is human nature how is it it is oh mm. Which mm. I guess is maybe accidental, but I thought that was quite a nice thing. You know, it's not, it doesn't say Martha pictures or, or it, it's, it's just human nature. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. I've lost the question. Was there a question or was well, it a statement? Well, the question, it's more of a statement, I suppose, a, a description of, 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 of your, of how there is this kind of, um, there are these sort of um, universal qualities, these, these sort of more, um, uh, the wider things rather than not the no, pictures are, are specifically it's, it's about people specific and I think everybody can relate to different aspects in the work can't they whether it's you know the child that they didn't have or or longing for to go back to that period of time or actually everyone can relate to something well not everyone but people do relate to different aspects they, they take different parts of themselves in, into the work 
Sunlight is um, is a series of photographs taken in the month before your father died of yeah. cancer. Um, and uh, it's taken in one day. In, was it just one day? Yeah. Actually, that's my first ever um, photography. Really? I forgot that. Wow. Okay. I assumed it and would I, come I put, later, but... No, it's my first time, really. I, just before I did that Saturday course at Brighton University called Painting with Light or something... I joined this other group, and it was like every Tuesday night. I suddenly got this thing, I wanted to be a photographer, so I joined this, and then they said, buy a disposable camera. And... We've been joined by a cat. Hello, so cat. Buy um, a disposable camera, and photograph a journey. Photograph wow. your, a journey. So you photograph the ultimate journey. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even realise. And so people were kind of coming back into the group... <laughs> And then we had to kind of do an edit of about five, six speeches. So people come back with like their journey to work. On the 57 on bus. On train, all that yeah. kind of thing. I, I, I did my father dying. And I can remember putting up on the screen for people to see. And the, the person that was running the group walked out when he came to... He, he was crying. And he just left. So the group sat there and someone else took over his partner and so it didn't even I said anyway it was he was um, yeah difficult had you been aware that your photographs might have that kind of effect well, I, no, I didn't, but I because I, it's the first few pictures I've ever taken, you see. So yeah. the guy said, well, you've clearly been doing this for a while. And I was like, oh, really excited that he could think that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, it, the, the picture of my father shielding his face, because he was quite... Um, on My father, you know, now I realise now he's on the spectrum, and he was very twisted... And I spent years trying to um, make it all right for him, somehow or other. And just before he died, he just disinherited me because I just went, you're not going to do this. He's so manipulative and dark. And he was up to all sorts. And I, I didn't see a great deal of him. But somehow I felt responsible for his mental health. In the end, I just said, I'm just, I can't be that anymore. And you're not going to use your house as leverage over me. So the next day, he disinherited me. That was that. And so was those pictures. This before the, so these after. pictures were just, just a couple of weeks before. Okay. But he kept shielding his face. Ah, oh, this is why photography is so magic. You see, he kept shielding his face, which is in the picture. And then he said, don't photograph me. And I just did anyway shielding his face and then I looked I got the pictures back and um, on the pillow the word sunlight did you see that? I did on the pillow I know sunlight and my father is there shielding his face which looks like the sun but how I translated it which I think is, is more interesting and more revealing was that he had been shielding himself from himself, from his own light, his own potential, 
been hiding from himself forever. He couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't be here. Mm. And there it all was in that picture. He told me everything I needed to know about my father. Mm. And actually, the day that he died, which is a few weeks later, he came to me, and he stood over my bed. And it was such a powerful vision. I do have the odd people visiting me even now. I've just had my house cleared because this person kept standing over my bed recently. And so, um, but it, it was him. It was him on the other side. Wow. Without the pain. And it was absolutely my father. There he was. He was well, he was happy. And fully resourced there he was and so he, I didn't go to his funeral so he came to me the day after so that was it then it's like photography now became it's magical yes it's absolutely magical you know I have so much reverence towards the camera amazing really so exciting so exciting because the camera enables you to see things that you wouldn't otherwise see yeah yeah because our unconscious world if we're if we're working in that way will just show us you know will direct us to what we need what we need to understand or resolve or complete because surely that's what we're doing all the time. We're trying to... We're always like, well, wh why is this? How is this? I mean, of course, I mean, I do that a lot. Not everybody does that. But it'd be good if... Perhaps it may be good if more of us did that anyway. And we wouldn't end up in such a muddle. Instead of ex assuming the world is impacting or, you know, on them. But we, then we, perhaps we might understand that actually we are entirely responsible for where, how we are. So perhaps if we ask a few more questions and shine a light on ourselves, then we may not end up in the pickle that we get in, in that, you know, whatever. So I think photography is uh, extraordinarily powerful. It just shines a big light on what is happening. Mm. Mm. How good is that? It's amazing. Isn't it? Mm. There is a... Um there is a kind of truthfulness then to photography, which is not the truthfulness that we associate with a picture no. never lies. It's, it's more uh, an ability to um, access a kind of Definitely. deeper place. Yeah. It could be even someone sitting there in a picture and this kind of seemingly kind of harmless, happy encounter. And then it could be just a, you know... A, a tree trunk with a very, sh you know, with a cut-off, jagged branch coming to the back of the other person. Why did I choose that? You know, I can feel that in my back. I can feel that in the friendship. Perhaps I, c I felt that when I was that age. That actually things weren't quite as, you know, there was this kind of tension... And of course there is that tension at that age. You know, we're very split, aren't we? Anyway, so this is... That's what I'm interested in.
And if you were to um, be asked to offer a few words of um, encouragement or guidance to someone who had listened to how photography has um, has helped you mm. to, 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 to find their own way themselves, what, what would you say? Well, I mean, all I do is I just photograph my immediate world. Then I look at the pictures. And then I have form a relationship with the pictures. So I photograph, you know, you know, I just say, I mean, I photograph every day, something. But I'm, that's what I would do, I think, just photograph and then look at the pictures. I don't think we have to complicate it, do we? No. And, um, yeah. Take some photographs. Take some photographs. Look at the pictures. And look at the pictures. It's as easy as that. And enjoy the process of it. And share your pictures. Ask people. You know, sometimes it's interesting. Just ask people to read into the images. Um, you know, in terms of actually there's things that other people can see about us that we can't see. You know, the kind of shadow aspects of personality. So I think that's always interesting. I don't personally do that myself. Um... But there's, there are ways of exploring one's work. How are we doing? I can see from my recorder that we're exactly at an hour. Well, that's good. And, and I think having... Um, it's really hot. I've been, I've been stripped <laughs> it down. And the fact I'm sitting here in my motorcycle lens yeah. as the sun bakes down oh. pro- probably is, is a good cue for me to say... Thank you very much indeed. That was really, really great. Um, Thank you. It was a real pleasure to talk to you yeah, about you your work too. and to meet you. I, I hope and you can put the bird sound. We will. And I think we've got the cat there as well. No, no decorators. No decorators in Radio 2. That's no, always no. Well, really come. good. All right, I will turn this I'm off. Sure. Thank you, Sean. You're welcome. So there we are, the lovely Sean Davey, whose work you can explore at seandavey.com. I hope the occasional gust of wind didn't detract from your enjoyment, but then, after all, this is the wind-thieved hat. I've got a real treat for you next time, so please subscribe and spread the word. For now, thanks for listening. Goodbye.